Good morning, good afternoon, good night, good whatever it may be for you right now. This is Lose the Taboo on Mental Health with Jared Cash. Buckle up, get ready, we going for a ride. Welcome back to another episode of Lose the Taboo on Mental Health. Today I'm really excited. I've got one of my friends, one of my longest time friends. Uh, we've been friends since childhood, Michael McCullough with me. Thanks for joining me, Michael. Hey man, Jared, good to be here. Uh, happy to be involved with, with what you're doing. Yeah, you were one of the first people that reached out to me uh, and just showed support whenever I started talking about the podcast and immediately were like, I'm ready ready to help out however I can, if that's being a guest or anything. And so I knew you would be one of the first guests that we had on. Michael and I, we really have known each other. It feels like our whole lives. We went to school together. We played sports together. Michael's a great athlete. We were over at each other's house all the time. Our brothers are older and about the same age. So us four together, we're always playing sports, different things. And our brothers were a lot bigger for a lot of our lives. So it was always the underdog story. But we were always even getting into trouble together. We were laughing the other day because we set off when we were, I don't know, do you know how old we were? I think we, we must have been in like second or third, third or fourth grade, something like that. We were, we were young. Yeah, we were young. We were in elementary school and we set off the sanctuary alarm because we were playing tag in it or running around doing something we shouldn't have done. And did the police end up coming? The police came, the the fire department showed up and we were on the stage like <laughs> breathing super loud and like super heavy out of breath. And they came in and, and they said, hey, were you guys you guys running upstairs? Did you set the alarm off? And I was going to say no. <laughs> and Jared goes, uh, yeah. And uh, I got in a lot of trouble for that, by, by the way. That was uh, probably one of the worst nights of my life. My parents were not happy. <laughs> I can't believe we did that. But it was fun while well, it lasted. It was a fun time. So for you guys listening, Michael's, what are you, 6'3", six, 6'4"? Six, uh, yeah, 6'3", six, 6'4", yeah, six, six, something like that. And he's got, as you can tell, he's got this low, cool radio voice. I feel like any moment he might bust out with a little Josh Turner, you know. So if he starts singing, know that it's Michael, not Josh Turner with us. But no, I'm so excited. I've been really looking forward to us being able to dive into this together. Michael, can you just share real briefly a little bit about you, your stage of life, anything that you want to share with everybody? Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, like Jared said, Jared and I were longtime friends, still are. Uh, I've been in the Dallas area probably since ever since I was 12 or 13. We moved up here, went off to school at, at Hardin Simmons University in Abilene, and then came back here and have been in Dallas for, oh man, the last six, seven years. Uh, I work as a consultant for a compliance firm. So, before the pandemic, I was traveling a lot. And since since uh, the pandemic's happened, I've just been working from home permanently. I uh, got married two years ago, a little under two years ago, to my to my wonderful wife Sydney. She's awesome. She is uh, way better looking than I am, way nicer and funnier, and just all of the qualities I wish I had. She has them. So yeah, it was my first time 
meeting her just right before we started this call and she is one of the sweetest people yeah she she is man i appreciate you saying that she's gonna she's gonna listen and she's gonna be uh she's gonna be blushing she's gonna be happy that we say these things about her so i mean if you know my philosophy with marrying her was that she's uh obviously a a a good christian woman she fears the lord and she has all the qualities that I don't have. And I just figured, you know, if I don't have them, I might as well marry somebody that does. So, you know, with, I, wise. I know, wise I'm, thinking, man. you know, I'm a, I'm a wise guy. So, uh, yeah, no, we, we have a good life here in Dallas and, uh, no kids yet. We're, that'll be coming soon, maybe 2021. But, uh, yeah, right now we're, you know, just trying to get through and, and enjoying, uh, being, being young and being married, so. Beautiful. Y'all, y'all make a great couple. Now, as you and I talked this last week, as we were talking more and more, I realized pretty quickly, you and I are in the same journey of mental illness. We understand certain aspects, but our paths look different. And as we talked, I realized things that you're struggling with, I didn't really understand at all until you really broke it down for me. And once I started to see things a little bit more, just a glimpse into your perspective of life, I started to understand this path of mental illness that I really had no comprehension of before. So, Michael, with that being said, can you give a little insight on what you have lived with these past years? Yeah, absolutely. So, like Jared said, I know if you guys have probably listened to the other podcast where it's kind of centered around either de- depression or anxiety. So I, I obviously, you know, could struggle with anxiety. I'm, I'm, I'm sure there's some of that in there. But a lot of what I tend to, to struggle with is obsessive compulsive disorder or, you know, people might know it as OCD. And I am not some I, I can't give you the actual definition of what that means. But what it looks like in my life is having something that I and maybe stressed about or worried about and constantly doing a loop around that to reassure myself that um, the door is locked before I go to bed and constantly getting out of bed to make sure that the door is still locked. Obsessing about, is the door locked? Yes, it is. I go back to sleep. I have 10 minutes of reassurance and then, you know, thinking, well, maybe it's not locked this time. If it's not locked, what if somebody breaks in and harms my wife and I while we're sleeping and then we have to live with this for the rest of our life and I have to live with this guilt? So having to get it back up, check the door again. And so, you know, just obsessing about little things like that and then having some kind of um, act to go check to reassure myself that that is not the case. Um, it, it, you know, in the last probably year and a half, it's it's sort of morphed itself into, you know, which would be OCD or anxiety towards health related issues where I, you know, maybe I have a headache, headache one day and then thinking, oh, it's nothing. But then the headache will come back and I think, oh, no, what if I have, you know, a brain tumor? What if I have some kind of eye disease and then I go blind or something really happens and I can't support my wife? And, you know, I'm, I'm left as a burden to, to, to people that I love. And so constantly having to, like, check to make sure I don't have headache symptoms or, you know, symptoms of, you know, brain, brain tumor or brain cancer or things like that. And so 
obviously those things are not, you know, are not something to take lightly, but there are, there are times and, and I've, I've seen, you know, different doctors and, and done counseling that there are, you know, people can obsess about their health to making sure that they, they, they're not sick and, and they can kind of make up symptoms in their mind and it, it becomes real to them. And, and that's kind of where it's, it's been in the last probably year and a half for me is that around, you know, OCD or health anxiety uh, in my case. Yeah, that's that's a part of mental illness that I can't personally relate with. But just hearing you say that, that sounds exhausting. You know, I can see how that stress can just take a toll on your body. You get focused in on something and no matter what you do or think or physically go and take care of, it always comes back to worst case scenario for that, whatever that situation is. Give us a little insight on how that began, if in the best that you can remember. So, you know, I've always been a definitely a cautious person. You know, if, if I have a toothache, right, I'm going to go to the dentist and make sure I don't have a cavity, which, you know, some people are different. Some people are like, oh, it's fine. It'll go away. And they don't worry about it. You know, growing up, my parents are definitely cautious people. I love them to death. They have a great, my parents are amazing. I love them. They're so they're sweet and supportive, but they're definitely a little bit on, definitely on the safer side. You know, they're gonna always do the things the right way or make sure everything's taken care of the right way. And that, that's how I was raised. So nature, nurture, that's how I'm gonna be. And so, you know, two, two and a half, three years ago, I was transitioning to a new job. I was transitioning and moving out on my own. I currently had, I had a roommate at that time and had gotten engaged and so was moving out on my own and would be living by myself for six or seven months before my wife moved in after our wedding. And then, uh, so transitioning jobs, transitioning a move and getting engaged and planning a wedding all really happened within three or four weeks just boom, boom, boom. And obviously they were all, you know, great things. And I was excited about all of them, but moving, transitioning jobs and marriage are, are three huge life changes, right? They're, they're not, they're Definitely. not something that just, that just can happen. And, and I'm a creature of habit and I like, uh, I don't really necessarily like change. I mean, you ask my wife and I would be fine with eating the same three meals, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, every day, all week. I just am consistent like that. I'm disciplined in that. I just want, you know, I don't need a lot. I just need the same things. I don't really like change. Really quick. Do you, do you plan out your days and your weeks ahead of time? Yes and no. I, I, I definitely have, you know, a, an agenda of things that I want to get done every day, whether it's, you know, I wake up and I look at my schedule for work the night before and I plan out my my nine to five or eight to five hours of, okay, I'm going to work, I'm going to eat lunch, I'm going to work. And then after that, I have, you know, two or three things that I like to do every day. I like to, you know, work, either work out or do some kind of run or go on a walk just to, just to kind of burn some energy. And, you know, either I'll read at night or, um, you know, just doing something with my wife. So I have, you know, three or four things during the day that I'm like, okay, I need these things to happen. And if they don't happen and something kind of alters that, whereas, okay, I've planned that I'm going to go to the gym at six o'clock that night. 
and somebody calls me at 5.45 and it's like, hey, let's go do this. And my wife's like, yeah, let's go hang out with them. I'm obviously like, that's great. Let's go do that. But inside it kind of bothers me that I didn't get my agenda done. And I don't know if that's selfishness or that's just me, you know, needing that um, to like kind of cross that off the list type of thing. And so, Definitely. yeah, it's, uh, I mean, maybe that's selfishness on my part, but now I would say even for, for me, there's certain staples in my day. I agree with you. There's certain staples in my day that I feel like need to be done. And I, whether I intentionally do it or not, I already have it in my mind. These are the times that they need to happen. And if they happen in this way, it's, it's going to be a smooth day for me. And so any altering to that doesn't mean that I won't survive, but it's definitely going to throw me off. And if I get to bed that night and I didn't end up having time to do it, I feel like something missed out on that day. So totally understand if that is selfishness, I'm right there with you. But I think that's also just part of anxiety that, that goes with it and wanting structure. So didn't mean to get you didn't mean to get you off there. You were continuing on. Do you remember where you left off? Sorry about that. Yeah, yeah. So um like I said, transitioning jobs, moving, getting engaged and planning a wedding. I had a, a coworker, a past coworker, who had mentioned something to me. I think she had like a picture on her desk of uh, a guy who was about my age and I knew that you know she was married and that wasn't her husband. And so I said, Hey you know, who is this? And she said, oh, this is a family friend of ours who passed away from a, you know, a, a, a brain tumor and, and it took over his life and, and he passed maybe six months ago. And I said, wow, that's, that's crazy. You know, what kind of symptoms did he have? Not really thinking anything of it. And she kind of went into the symptoms he had and, and, um, and I, and I literally left that conversation just thinking, oh, wow, that's such a shame. You know, I really feel bad for his family. That's awful. And didn't think of it ever yeah. again. You know, just kind of went on my day and then was doing some traveling for work and was just really tense and stressed just about a new surroundings in my life. And I kind of had this nagging headache mm -hmm. uh, for, for a week and a half, two weeks. That wasn't terrible, but I, you know, just was there. And immediately thought back to those symptoms of, oh no, what if this is happening to me? And, you know, it started doing all kinds of Google searches. And luckily my brother, Brad, he's a doctor. And so I called him immediately and I said, I, man, I think I have a brain tumor. I think this is it for me. And he, you know, kind of talked me off the ledge, like, no, you're fine. You're fine. Don't worry about it. And for the next three weeks, I couldn't I, I couldn't function properly without knowing that I didn't have a brain tumor. Like I had uh, just, I would been on YouTube and watched hours of people talking about their stories with, with, you know, brain cancer, having a brain tumor and this and that, and just convinced myself that like I had one and that this was the end. And my job that I had just started, they were going to fire me, which obviously you can't do, <laughs> but that's what I was, I was thinking. And my wife or my, you know, fiance at the time, who's now my wife, she's going to be left with having to take care of me. And I'm going to let her down because we're not going to have the wedding she wants. And I'm not the man that she wanted. And so really for three weeks, I was just not myself. I wasn't eating. I wasn't, I wasn't working out. I wasn't spending time in the word. I was just literally in panic mode all day. 
and I wasn't present, you know, like having a conversation with you right now, I could do that, but I, I would just be like a kind of a ghost of myself just communicating, but really in the back of my head, just focusing on what I had, what I thought I had and how it was going to affect me and others around me. So it really took over. It took over every part of your life where you couldn't really function in any aspect fully. No, you're, you're exactly right. I, I, I was not, you know, work performance was definitely down. The way I was treating my fiance, Sydney, was not the same. I wasn't rude or anything. I just was, you know, I wasn't there for her. I just couldn't, you know. And, you know, spinning, you know, I'm not ashamed to say I'm 28 and anytime something happens, I still call my mom or my, my parents. And I'm like, mom. No shame in that. Yeah, mom, this is going on. You know what's happening? And my mom, bless her heart, is, is you know, like, no, Michael, you're okay. Like, you're fine. And so I, I people were trying to convince me. And, and something that, that I've learned that I like to do is to ask for reassurance. So I like to constantly mm-hmm. say, man, I think I have this wrong with me. And I like for people to say, no, you don't, you're fine. And that just acts as some kind of reassurance, which honestly isn't healthy for me. It just, it just gives me some kind of peace for 10 minutes, kind of like a stimulus. And then 10 minutes later, I'll, I'll ask again and I'll say, wait, are you sure? Are you sure I don't have this? People will say, no, you're, you're fine, you know? So thinking back, is that something that has always been the case for you, do you think? Or was that more of a recent years that you've liked to have that reassurance? De- definitely, it's something that I've, I've probably done, you know, like in college, going through classes and thinking, man, what if I fail? You know, that key, kind of the two key words there is what if. That's always the, what kind of drags me down is what if this is the case? And then yeah. plan out the worst case scenario. So, you know, what if I fail this test? And, you know, telling people in the class, man, I probably failed. And them saying, no, you didn't fail. You, you did fine. You're going to be fine. And so, yeah, no, it's definitely been something that I've always done. Maybe not to the magnitude that I, I did or still do it. But it, it's something that has, has probably always been there. Yeah, that makes sense. I was just curious. Yeah, so kind of going back to where I was. So for three weeks, you know, couldn't function and, and ended up actually going to see a doctor. And basically she asked what my symptoms were and I kind of explained that I had, you know, a headache. And the, the funny thing was she, I kind of told her that, hey, I had been doing all these Google searches and this is what I have. And uh, she doesn't even need to check me out. She just needs to send me off to, to get, you know, to a hospital for surgery or something. And, and she, yeah. yeah, she said, okay, well, do you have, uh, is your head itching? I said, no, no, it hasn't been itching. And she said, okay, good. That's a sign of, of, a, of what you think you have. And she said, I'll be back in five minutes. I'm just going to go take some paper, care of some paperwork. And then in that five minutes, my head magically just started itching and <laughs> and the anxiety and the stress about that just over like just overcame me and i was like oh this is it 100% i must have this and so she came back in the room and i said you're never going to believe this but my head's been itching for 5 minutes and you're you're right i definitely do have a, a tumor 
she said, you know, the funny thing is that's not a symptom of uh, having a tumor. That's just something I wanted to see how you would react to. So I think the problem here is, and she said anxiety at the time. I think you just have anxiety about this and you can't get it out of your mind and, and this is what's bothering you. And I, I still didn't believe her. I left and wasn't convinced and long story short, went back and did an MRI, which cost a lot of money. And she called me the next day and said, hey, your blood work and your MRI came back perfectly healthy. You're 100% fine. And I thought that that would be the end of it, right? And for the next year and a half, it wasn't. I, I've been to the doctor over and over and over for different things here or there that I, I think about and um, constantly probably the last year and a half, two years, check myself, you know, check this on my neck or that, or has, you know, is this skin cancer, has this mole grown? And it's just some kind of loop that's in my mind that I constantly have to check to reassure myself that I'm okay. And the people around me, like my wife, I have to constantly ask her, hey, is, is this okay on my, on my body? Um, you know, my eyes aren't as good as they were last year. Does that mean something's wrong? And she says, no, it just means yeah. you're getting older, right? <laughs> I'm not 16 anymore. I'm, I'm, I'm almost 30. And, you know, that's just, that's life. Things like that are going to happen. And so for, for really about a year and a half, it, 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 it was debilitating to where I would even have anxiety that, something else was going to affect me and I was going to have to go through that constant loop again. You know, like everything in my life is okay now, but I've got maybe something fun coming up in the next two weeks. And I'm really anxious that I'm going to notice something and it's going to cause me to have compulsive checking of that during this fun activity in my life. And it's going to take me away from being present. Wow. So not only feel like dealing with it, but just the thought of the whole process is also they're kind of given anxiety. I, I'm getting a better picture of that now. So it's almost like you've stepped back and I'm sure through your counseling and through different ways of managing it and you can identify it clearly now, but there's still the power of I can get sucked into it quickly and I don't want that to happen. And first of all, that lady, that doctor, was it a lady? Yeah, it was. Playing some tricks, man. I know, man. That was She probably <laughs> she, she's playing tricks. You're like, I'm never coming back, but you ended up coming back. Like, <laughs> I, I I'm left. not paying for this visit for a trick. Yeah, yeah. I laughed thinking, wow, she she got me and I feel like an <laughs> idiot, but I she still doesn't know what she's talking about. She still doesn't she didn't diagnose me properly. Uh that's what my thought process was, but no, she I tell that story and I laugh at that and it was uh, it kind of an eye-opening moment that, wow, I, I'm, I'm definitely just making this up in my mind and it, it just has consumed me and it's not, you know, it, it, this, isn't, this isn't who I am. This has control over me, but you know, I don't, I'm not actually sick, you know. Definitely, yeah. And I'm going to go ahead and just point out for anyone that is dealing with something similar to Michael it's really easy in moments like this, I'm sure, to feel like that I'm crazy. Something's wrong with me in the sense of I'll never be able to function or I'm the only one 
that has to think and deal like with this. And I'm sure you get comments like, well, just don't worry about it. You know, as if, as if you're like, whoa, (laughs) that is a thought that never crossed my mind, you know? And so there's this misunderstanding of it. People that don't deal with it just go, well, why don't you just, you already checked the door to see if it was locked. Why do you have to go back? And it's, it's like, man, something's, something's just not clicking in my mind. Something's not quite right. It's not by decision that I'm dealing with this. That's so funny that you mentioned that about when people say, hey, just don't worry about it. You know, it's like, oh, man, never thought to try that one before. You know, I think I think we're kind of probably skipping to the end here. Uh, but this will be something that we talk about towards the end. But when people say, I wish people would say, don't let it consume you instead of don't worry about it, mm-hmm. you know? I think that would be something that would be very beneficial. Just don't let this have control over you, you know? Because it, it's, it's not yeah. like, you know, we're, I'm choosing to constantly check to, to see whether I, you know, have this or that. And I'm making a, cons- a, a conscious decision to, to choose to do that. And I have the ability to not do that. Right. And, and, and my situation is different than someone with severe anxiety or depression where it's not really you can't really choose to not do something or to do something. But I think we all, you know, potentially have the ability to, to not let it consume us. Definitely. You're exactly right. There's a level of what we have control over and a level of what we don't have control over. And for you, you you wish that there wasn't the worry behind it, but you do, like you're saying, have control over to the degree that it affects you. So just the simple change in vocabulary from worried to consumed right there communicates something totally different to someone that's dealing with it. And that's what you're saying, right? Yep, 100%. It, it just kind of changes my outlook and my perspective and gives me comfort and peace. It says, you know what, I'm not going to let this... this this thing inside me that I hate, you know, ruin my day. I'm not going to let two minutes of worry ruin 24 hours of the day that I have that I can be productive and loving and, 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 yeah. and, and do awesome things, you know. You talked a little bit about the low, the most severe seasons that it got for you in the past years. And you started to say through doctors and counseling, you've started to learn a little bit more Give us some more insight into your life of, of what that process looked like. Are some of the things that you learned through the counseling that is already helping you view it differently? Yeah, so I think there's, there's a, definitely a stigma about counseling, and I avoided it for as long as I could where I, you know, I, I think media, Hollywood, TV shows, movies do a poor job of displaying what counseling actually is. You know, you have the image of, sitting in a chair talking to someone who's 95 years old, who's got a clipboard asking you, well, how does that make you feel? And it's like, I'm not doing that. That's, that's not what I need. And so when I got to the point through encouragement from my wife and, you know, friends and family around me were said, Hey, you know, just try it counseling, you know? So there's a, a, a Christian counseling ministry here called Sparrow house. And uh, sent them kind of a detailed, they have a detailed application where you can answer tons of questions and kind of give a summary of, of 
of where you're at. And so kind of summarized it. And, and leading up to this, I assumed that it was just anxiety. And, and I know reading in the Bible, praying over verses, memorizing scripture, everything I memorized was just, don't be anxious, don't be anxious, don't be anxious, you know? And I, yeah. and I said for a year, year and a half, I'm like this, you know, it, it's just not doing like I, it's not working for me to pray. And I thought that, man, maybe my relationship with the Lord is just not strong enough to get through this. You know, what does it, what does this mean for my belief? Uh, you know, I say I'm a believer and I'm praying over these verses constantly and asking for this anxiety to go away, but it's not, what does that mean about me? And so mm-hmm. w- went into Christian counseling, a relational therapist, which kind of doing what we're doing now is just talking. And I didn't know that that was an option. You know, I thought I was going to be in a room and we really weren't. It's about, um, the, the guy that I, that I saw for, uh, eight or nine months off and on every other week, every week, you know, we were just doing this. We were just talking and having an open dialogue and, when I shared my story with him, I just immediately was like, I have anxiety about this, this, and this. It's just anxiety. It's anxiety. And he stopped and said, you know, there could be some anxiety there. You know, I'm not, not taking light of that you probably don't have anxiety, but it sounds like you have OCD. And he explained it to me, and I went home and did some research and immediately thought. Research? What? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yep. I I immediately said, this is exactly what I struggle with, with constant looping and having reassurance and then having to recheck something and by doing some kind of act to, to reassure myself. And it really just kind of like a light bulb switch went on and said, okay, well, no wonder this, you know, praying for anxiety to decrease wasn't working because that's not necessarily what I struggle with. And so even the first and second counseling sessions, uh, with, with Dr. Kirby, his name is Josh Kirby at Sparrow house counseling in Dallas, Texas. If anybody's is wants to, uh, you know, use that as a resource. He was, he was awesome. Strongly recommend, uh, strongly recommend when counseling if needed and gave me kind of some tools some tools and tricks to use, um, just things like taking a deep breath and picturing a giant red stop sign in front of your face that says, stop, stop doing this loop, you know, cause essentially you're going down like on a roller coaster. You're starting at the top, you're going down the roller coaster all the way back to the start, starting at the top, you're going up the hill and having the, the, you know, the desire to check, check the door, check your neck, something like that. And then you go down the hill and you have the relief of being reassured for 10 minutes. And then you go back to the start of the roller coaster and you go back up the hill and you're constantly on that loop. So you have to just, you know, you have to break that loop. And if, you know, doing the, the stop mechanism and then some other stuff we, we went into is, Hey, if you do are worried about something, you know, um, the door being open or something on your body, you know, write out 15 times the very worst case scenarios that you can think of. 
or say it out loud to yourself 15 times. And he, and he just said, that's, you know, you're getting more comfortable and more um, aligned with, I guess, desensitizing yourself to the worst thing that could happen. You know, if you think about it once, it's bad. If you think about it twice, it's still bad. But if you write it out 15 times, you kind of kind of get used to the idea and think, and if that happened, whatever, I'd live with it. Whatever. It's not that big a deal. Um, and so, yeah. you know, just being able to have someone to talk to and to someone to tell me that, hey, this is normal. There's people deal with this. You're not crazy. Um, and, and I think the biggest thing he, he told me is, don't let this run your life. Don't let this consume you. And that was something that's always stuck with me when I'm having bad days, which I still do. Definitely not as severe as what it used to be. I just kind of stop and I think, you know, this isn't, this isn't who I am. I'm not going to let this run my life. I have power over this. And right then and there, I kind of just conquer it. And obviously accept that I have something and I'm, I'm struggling here. And accepting it and looking it right in the face and saying, I'm not going to let it consume me, and then going about my day. You've got a great way of explaining this, Michael. I really feel like everyone that's listening is going to be able to really be able to have a better perspective of this. And I'm so glad you brought up counseling. That was something that I wanted to be able to discuss a little bit with you and just the importance of that resource. I was the same way. I did not want counseling. I had heard horror stories of just people who didn't click or felt like it was a waste. And I kind of just, my pride was in the way of, especially for me, I was pastoring and it wasn't professional counseling, but I was offering some sort of counseling to people in the church. And I kind of thought, well, is that, why would I need counseling? I'm helping others. What is someone going to say that I don't already know because I'm telling someone else and I was just being prideful and not wanting to to seek help with that. And I will say that sometimes people tr- give counseling a try and it's not the right fit because people have different personalities and it sometimes takes trying out two or three before you really find the right fit. For Michael, he was really lucky. For me, I was lucky. Our first counseling experience was really beneficial And Michael, I love how you said that it's techniques that you gain that truly help you manage it. There are things that like that picture that he painted is such a beneficial image of the loop that you probably wouldn't have thought of otherwise. The the technique of saying or writing it down, you're not going to think of that, but it's so beneficial to be able to have those techniques in your pocket. And I've heard counseling, my counselor says it as it's, you've got some blockage in your brain you know, in your mind that we just got to clear out. And by telling your story to someone who's trained to be able to dissect a little bit of what you're saying, they point out things that you go, oh, wow, that definitely makes sense. I had no idea that I was viewing it in this way, or maybe that experience helps explain this. So huge encouragement from Michael, from me, if you've never given counseling a try and you think that that's something that would be beneficial give it a try. That's one of the resources that is so beneficial and it never hurts to at least try it out. And Michael, I love how you said that about the aspect of not letting it run your life. You know, God has allowed different battles in every person's life. Right now, we're focusing on mental illness. It's a battle that we face, just like the other people who don't face mental illness. You have battles in your life. Everyone has battles. 
And those are allowed and they're difficult, but we see in scripture that nothing has to have complete control over our life or our control at all. And that's the part that we're talking about is fully acknowledging and realizing what we deal with, getting the help we need, and then figuring out how to manage it in a way where you still live the life that God calls you to live. God's not calling Michael to live his life in in fear or a constant cycle of OCD, and he's not calling me to live a life full of anxiety or depression. He's saying, in those weaknesses, look for strength from me and be the person I've called you to be. Michael, for you, if you were to offer some encouragement to someone that's listening right now and they say, I know I have OCD, or I'm pretty sure after hearing Michael explain it, I'm pretty sure that I do have OCD, what would be your encouragement to them? Yeah, so, you know, similar to what you were talking about with counseling, you know, just letting somebody know and being honest with yourself to say, this is an issue and I need to take this seriously right now and and kind of get it under wrap. You know, they say, and, and it's it's so true that, you know, bringing light to your sin, bringing it to the light and, and confessing, there's so much freedom in that. And I think the same thing goes for people who struggle with mental illness. It's you have to bring it to the light and you have to accept it and tell people and be honest and open with yourself. And so it just encourage you or people listening, let somebody know, you know, tell, tell a friend, tell a family member. And, you know, I guarantee you, everybody you tell will will take it seriously. You know, I I had some really good friends here in Dallas that when I was d- struggling, that they were there for me, calling me every day, checking up on me, you know, encouraging me to go to next steps. And so, just tell somebody. Just be open and honest with yourself, and it, it's just so much more comforting when you you kind of let it out of the bag, when you you hold it in and you you let it fester. You know, we're not designed to go through struggles on our own. That's why God's given us people around us that we can live in community with. Um, Mm -hmm. And and so, you know, just encourage people. I said, hey, you know, go out there and and share your story. Get involved with some kind of community that you can be, um, you know, sheltered and shepherded by. And then, uh, you know, just don't let it consume you. We all have things in our life that we worry and stress and fret about, but, you know, we can't really worry about the things we can't control. You know, we just have to live our lives and know that God is good and he is faithful and, you know, life's, life's not that bad. It's pretty good. If you do struggle with, with this or you think you may, I want to go ahead and throw it out there and I hope Michael's okay with it. Feel free to send a direct message to me or an email to me, any questions that you might have for Michael and he can maybe ways that he can point you in the right direction or different resources that he's had that uh, he can provide to you. Uh, Feel free to message me and then I'll get in touch with Michael and we'll get back to you. We want this to be a community where you can have help as you take those big steps of faith in the right direction. Uh, Michael, also want to ask you, maybe for someone who doesn't deal with this, but they know a loved one who does, a friend, a coworker, a neighbor, what would be your encouragement for them? 
Sure, yeah. So something that my counselor told me about when I said, hey, my wife, what's something that she can do that would help me? And a lot of what I do is asking for reassurance. And so kind of explaining to me to tell my wife that, hey, your husband is going to ask you constantly if this is something that's wrong. And if you're patient with him and ask, and so whenever, you know, luckily it's not as bad as it used to, but when I still come to my wife and I ask her, she knows that she can ask two questions. She can say, hey, is this something that you're actually concerned with that we really need to take seriously? Or are you just looking for reassurance or affirmation that, that you just need some kind of little boost right now? And for me, it's easy to say, when she asks me that, nine times out of 10, it's, well, it's not serious. I just, I just need some, some reassurance. And for me, it kind of, it kind of changes my mindset of, okay, this isn't actually that bad. And then she'll say, okay, if you just need reassurance, let's talk about this for five minutes. She reassures me. And then from there, it's much easier to go throughout my day instead of her just being like, no, you're fine. Leave me alone. Like we've done this over and over and over. And so she's been really gracious about that and is patient with me. And it's definitely not what it used to be. But, you know, we're all, you know, we all have things in our life that aren't going to go away. And this probably won't for me. And so, yeah, just listening. If you do have people who struggle with this, just be patient. Maybe ask them, hey, is this actually something we need to take serious? Or is this just something you need reassurance for that we'll talk about for five minutes and then, you know, get you back to to doing what you're doing? And it all comes back to being open and sharing and having those conversations to begin with. And for you guys, that communication of this is what I need not only helps you, but it helps her to be able to know how she can help and to for her not to feel hopeless in it as a supporter. Michael, you got you good, man. You got away with words. Beautifully said. Hey, I wanted to close this out with as I was praying over this last night over our time together, God put some verses on my heart that I wanted to be able to close out uh, our time with, if that's okay with you, Michael. It's Psalms 23, and I think it fits in really well with uh, just our conversation today. And maybe for you listening, this is something that you just need right now to provide rest and comfort for your soul. Psalms 23, you may be familiar with it. It's, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Michael, as I think on our conversation right now, I can't help but think of the words of victory in the midst of pain. And as you look at your life and as you share, there have been recent lows and difficulties, but you're able to stand up in it and say, even though I may not fully ever understand it, my God is bigger 
And that's what I feel from you and I hear from you. And that's what's so powerful. So is there any last words that you would want to share with us, Michael? Yeah, I mean, that Psalms 23 is something I, I, I memorize and read over and, and remind myself daily. And then another verse that I think is Psalms 91, the beginning, where it says, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. And I just have a picture of, of God basically just standing over me and protecting me from all of these things and just sheltering me from all the evil, pain, fear, anxiety, depression that I feel that I'm faced with. Um, And so that's just another verse that that I like to dwell on. Um, But yeah, kind of, I guess, closing remarks, we'll we'll call it, is, you know, Jared, I'm super proud of you, man. This is something that I am am really happy that you're doing. I'm proud that you're um, you're doing it and you're kind of bringing light to a difficult subject that, you know, it's a shame that it's difficult to talk about, but it's becoming more prevalent in, in our society. And so, you know, we're all praying for you. And, and as you kind of go out through this journey and the next things that you have to, to come, we're all excited to see it. And, um, so super, super blessed to be able to do this with you. It's, it's been, a you know, a really, a really fun thing and and they've been excited about this for a while. So, um, really enjoyed my time here. I, uh, surprisingly enough, you're going to be shocked that I still remember your home telephone number as since you were a kid, (laughs) I probably called that number a thousand times and memorized it. And it's still one of the numbers that I have memorized in my head. I know like my home telephone number when I was a kid and I know yours. So, uh, that is so funny. If that says anything about our long-term friendship, uh, I don't know what else would. <laughs> I love that. I'm so glad that you mentioned that. And thanks for the encouragement, Michael. It's it's definitely been a definitely been a unique journey and it's encouragement like that that just really keeps me going and I really pray that God spoke through this conversation we had, and I loved it, and I love you, man. Thanks for being on here today, and thanks for sharing your heart and sharing something that's difficult, but you're shedding light on it. So thank you, man. Really appreciate your time today. Yep. Hey, man, love you always. Uh, You know, look forward to seeing uh, what you have to come in the future, and hopefully, uh, hopefully I'll be a returning guest at some point. Definitely. We're probably going to start getting chants and T-shirts made, bring Michael back on. So <laughs> I think that will probably probably happen regardless. But thank everyone for listening. Thanks for taking the time to tune into this episode. I hope that it was beneficial. Make today the best day that it can be. I'll see you next time. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please subscribe and share with others so that they can join us on this journey. I'll see you next time.